was adamant because I really wanted to keep my brain active. Okay. And, and it's funny because you're the only person that's ever asked me why I got my doctorate. Most people think that I got my doctorate to show off to the world or say I have a doctorate. Right. It, that, that wasn't it at all. It was to keep my brain from becoming mush. Wow. And that's, that's why I have it because I want to die with my tombstone thing here in my doctor Gert because because I was told by my father yeah. and I and this is one of the best things that he ever said was the one thing that people cannot take away from you is your education. You are listening to the Derek Asante Podcast, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. We just aim to keep the discussion above the average. Our guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Asante, and today we are spending some time with a special person, a woman who has a ton of passion, full of joy, and among many, 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 many other things, she is also, she's also a published writer, graphic designer, web developer, curriculum developer. Um, she also has her doctorate in education. Most importantly, a person with an incredible perspective on life and energy to go with it. I'm excited about this conversation. Please help me welcome my beautiful friend with a beautiful soul, Dr. Tina Wirtz. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate that. <laughs> you are most welcome. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to even say yes to be a part of this uh, podcast. And I'm excited because I get to learn a little bit more about Tina with the questions that I have for you this evening. Now, I usually open with a quote. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the quote with you. This quote is by uh, Helen Keller. And I want to get your opinion on on it and what comes to mind when you hear uh, this quote, right? Sure. It reads, a bend in the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. The one thing that comes to mind is that life isn't a straight linear path mm-hmm. to the end. Right. Some days I wish it were because it would make things a lot easier, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm sorry to say, but I don't believe that the, um, the journey is more important than the end because I actually believe the end is actually more important in the journey because we should have some place to go always. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, the journey is always going to happen. Right. Um, And again, for this statement in particular, however you turn, yes, you may end up in different things, but you eventually have an end goal. And that end goal is extremely important and it, um, you shouldn't lose track of it or lose sight of it. And, um, it's just, but it's still important to make those turns and make decisions as you go through them. Nice. So I wanted to have this conversation because I want to know, but I mean, I know a bit about you, but my listeners don't. So in a few words, how would you describe who Tina is? <laughs> <laughs> okay, a few words. Well, okay, I'll read really quickly. <laughs> um, okay, so I wrote this because... Uh, I really have to research it. when I do this. I really have to think about it. But anyway, so, okay. So my name is Tina Gertz. Um, I grew up in the eighties. So I'm an eighties girl. 
Um, I've been singing Wham songs and dancing to Michael Jackson's Thriller all my hey. life. <laughs> yep. Uh, starting from age eight, I knew I was an introvert. Although when I'm around my friends, I'm very bubbly and happy. Uh, but that's usually with a small amount of friends. Like it, it's not, it's not with a lot of people. It's with a small, intimate group of people. Right. Um, my laugh usually carries throughout the room. Everyone knows it's Tina when Tina enters the room because my laugh usually goes in first. <laughs> um, can I fake being an extrovert? Yeah. Yes, yes, I can quite well. Academically, as you've said, I have a master's and a doctorate in education. Um, I also am currently a reviewer for about three journals, and I love doing that. Usually, I get about one or two journals a month. Lately, it's, I haven't had too much, but uh, when I do, I absolutely love reading and finding out about the new ideas that people in academia are coming up with, and in particular in online learning, because that is what my both my master's and my doctorate is on. Mm. Um, lastly, I'm a big fan of art, education, cats, and nature. Those, those are the things that are really important to me, and family, of course. But um, that's a little bit about me. Wow. Okay, I like that. I'm glad you ended off with with the the family piece. How was it? How was it like for you growing up? What was Tina like? What were you into when you were younger? So, um, my life actually, my parents owned a ceramic store when I was growing up, and it's not a pottery store. It was a ceramic, which was we would go. My sister and I would go to my family's business every weekend. Saturday and Sunday, and we would have a set of molds, and we would pour those molds with slip, and slip hardens and becomes greenware. And what we would do is we would run art painting classes, so people would come in, and they would buy this greenware, and they would paint it, and then we would fire it, and then they would take it home. And what I did is that my mother and I, we would actually help people do the art classes and we would help them learn how to paint on greenware. And we would also do special events on Sundays and we would have them come in and do things like Christmas trees or clowns or we would do special things. So, But that happened for about seven years of my life. And I got, um, I love art, like it, the more I can get hands-on artwork, the, yeah. the better I am. Like, I love painting and stuff like that. So, But that was actually my upbringing. Um, I'm also a German. So, well, I'm Canadian, but my my parents are German. And we sort of grew up in a Bavarian-Austrian kind of uh, atmosphere. Okay. And so there's a lot of German things in my home. And I'm not fluent, but I can understand it. So... and. Sorry, when you yep. say there's a lot of German things. Yeah, so we have, um, in Germany, there's a lot of uh, sayings. And we have we had a lot of, like, plates that had sayings on them. Mm-hmm. And we would have, like, my dad would like to hang up a lot of German, um, not memorabilia, but just German sayings. Okay. All around the house. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole kind of thing, you know, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. but wait, but is that German? Yeah, it was all in German. Oh, yeah. wow. 
mean, we had a German Bible. We, we, I mean, every Sunday we would listen to a German radio station and, um, it was, that's sort of how I grew up in a very relatively strict conservative German upbringing. And, but we would, and we'd have friends combined, whatever, but it was me, my sister, my mom, and my dad. So where were you born? Were you born in Germany and then you guys moved up or? No, no, I was born in Canada. Both you and your sister or? That's correct. Yes. Both me and my sister. Okay. Have you been back? And how often have you been back? Yes. I've, I've been back just once and I remember it like it was yesterday because there was a time. So I went back when I was 14 Hmm. and I remember being in, it's called Badems and it's a, it's called the Black Forest. And my aunt had a small little house there. Um, by the way, in Germany, you don't really own houses. You, you rent apartments. But in, in this black forest, my aunt had this really cute little like bungalow house. And I remember we were in the backyard and I had sort of wandered a little bit further down the path because it was a lovely nature trail. And I remember looking up into the sky saying, I will probably never be back here, but I will always remember this spot, this place, and the way I'm feeling right now. And it was the most exhilarating, calm. I mean, there there were wolves around, there were foxes around, and it was just a lovely piece of nature. But yeah, I've been back once. My sister goes um, every year, and she just actually came back from Germany. Uh, She went there. Over the Christmas holidays okay. and New Year's, so she just came back uh, from there. And because we have we have cousins in Germany, but we also have cousins in Florida. Don't ask that we do. <laughs> but um, but for the most part, the ones that were direct descendant from my father mm-hmm. live in Germany. So I have two things. When you were telling me that story, I'm curious. The name Black Forest. Where'd that come from? Is there is there significance to that name, or you don't? It's it's just a part of it's just a part in Germany. It's called the Black Forest. Interesting. Sorry, I didn't look this up, but I'm my understanding, at least from what I can remember, I believe it's about. Uh, there's a lot of trees. Okay. So, okay. So, so doesn't have much lighting. Right. It's dark. Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> got it. I, I could take that one. I like that. It's simple. <laughs> and, and I could be absolutely wrong because I haven't really looked that up. It's a really good question. But it's a logical one. So we'll, we'll run with that one. <laughs> okay. That sounds good to me. You would think that being German, I would know why it's called a The other part I was thinking about was your sister goes back more frequently and you've only been there that one time. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, I actually don't like traveling. Oh. I really don't like traveling. It's, um, I'm not sure what I would be going over there to do. I like utility in the things that I do. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to go there, I'd probably want to go to the universities over there and see how they teach online learning or how they teach. So, I mean, yes, I would want to see my aunt and uncle, but... The, the last time I was there, I was, like I said, 14. And we went, my sister and I, we would go swimming every day. Mm-hmm. And we would we would, we would, would go to bars. Even though I was supposed to, but we would be in bars. Yeah. And it was just, that's what that was for in that time of my life. But I just, to go back, there's, I don't have a best friend over there. There's nothing really to do over there for me. 
you don't find any connection with like cultural um, reasons as to trying to figure out. You know. I wish no, because well, I don't know German language, right? And so that, and actually, when I was there, it was interesting because even though my sister and I understood what they were talking. Whenever we would go into a store in Germany, mm-hmm. they would know that we're foreigners and they hated us. Yeah. And they would tell us not to touch anything. And then they would tell us to get out of the store. And at one point, um, and they would say this in German, thinking that we didn't know what they were saying. Right. And so we would fake not knowing. And then my sister would turn around and say, in German, I know exactly what you just said and I don't appreciate it. My sister and I have family here, and we actually live right up the street. That is so. You know what? Don't talk to us like that. So, rather interesting, yeah. and I didn't much like that about how they treated. So, that's very interesting. I like that because now I thought for a moment there that it was just you know my me that experienced something similar. Like I would go into grocery stores, and you know I would have uh, Ghanian, um, you know people in the, in the store and they would just gossip about everybody. Like just, they're on their phone, but they're talking about you because they think. Right. And so the assumption for me that I get that people usually, you know, have about me is that I'm Jamaican. Right. And so they feel so comfortable just speaking in, in my na- native tongue and, and talking all about me. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm just here to pick up some items and I'm leaving, but <laughs> I happen to run, you know, into you and I don't know you, but, we're in the same aisle, right. and here you are talking about me, a random stranger, to somebody that you're on the phone with. Right, right. So I called her out on it, and I returned with the same tongue. And you should have seen the face, like the expression right. on her. Oh, my. Like, she just saw Casper. It was just hilarious, right? Like, disappeared from the aisle. And I thought that was hilarious, because I made sure I went to see her again in a different aisle. Now she doesn't want to make eye contact, you know? But, right. Oh, of course. It's, it's always interesting when, when someone realizes, oh, shoot. They understand and speak the same language yeah. um, that I'm speaking. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know everything about my language. Like I don't understand all of it right. because I'm not, I don't speak it and I'm not around it anymore. But when I was younger, right. I knew quite a bit. I mean, if I had an issue, I would always look at my sister and say, Heidi, what are they saying? Yeah. And she would tell me and I'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, that's okay. That's right. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it's interesting. My sister sometimes gets tripped up if a, a black German shows up and speaks because uh, it, there's not too many of right. them. And we don't know. Like, and it's just, it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just that it's almost like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he speaks better German than, than you do. Like, right. what? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, wow. And it's just. And what my sister says, it's not that it's a bad, oh my goodness, it's more of a, she's in awe. Yeah. Like she loves it. Like she just looks at it and goes, wow. Yeah. And it's just so nice because there were, um, I don't know, African-Americans. I don't know if, if, if those, if, if that particular subset of people were mm. actually shipped in the war over right. to Germany, because I'm pretty sure that they were. And you have to learn the language. And we probably could have if my dad would have went through with it, but he didn't for some reason. Mm. So that way I would have been like dual citizen. But anyways, you have to have, you have to know the language. You have to be fluent. And I'm not. So if anything, my sister could probably get it, but she can only get it, I think, when she retires. And she's planning on moving there. So that should be interesting. 
Interesting. <laughs> don't so, like to travel. How would you? So, how would you describe your your family dynamics, like the personalities? Like, if you think about your dad's personality, your mom's, and your sisters, yeah. and how do they all differ? So, my sister and my mother are like two peas in a pod. They they fight, but they get along the best. Mm. My my sister is the firstborn. I'm second, mm-hmm. and um, my mother and my sister get along famously. Right. My my dad and I get along famously when he was five. Okay. It was always pretty much a hard point with my mother because my dad and I we would just look at each other and we would know what we're talking about. We would know what to say, or sometimes we wouldn't say anything, and my mother would already know what the answer would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it drove her <laughs> insane, but. It was just, and so when she wants, and so nowadays when she wants someone to take empathy and, and be on her side, she'll talk to my sister. Uh, when she, when she wants a realist and when she wants someone to actually tell her the truth, she'll call you. She'll come to me. <laughs> she, she doesn't do it often, but, and, you know, and nine times out of 10, she won't listen to me anyways, but um, yeah. that's sort of the dynamic. And it's always been like that. And it's, it's somewhat been a bit hard because when I was uh, when I was very young, I used to, and I, I don't mean to brag or anything, but when I was young, I used to get a lot of IQ tests. Mm-hmm. I, I was a I was uh, a gifted child, right? And my mother, I started reading at like age four, mm-hmm. and my mother didn't know what to do with me. Whereas my sister was complete opposite. My sister was like. She learned to read when she was in grade one and, you know, but I really started young and I wanted to do more and I wanted to read more. And so my mother was always battling with me because she didn't know what to do with me. Right. Right. And my father was the only one who really would, you know, take me aside and he would show me things like we'd have a shop, a shop area in the garage. So he would show me how to do stuff like that. And, so yeah, so it's me and my dad and my sister and my mother. Nice. So when you think back, right? Because you mentioned a few things. You guys had the shop where you got to be creative and so forth. Yep. Now, your interest was art and, and other things. How has you know that changed as an adult now, your interests? Are they still in the arts or is it completely shifted? Interesting. So when I got to pick a college, so after high school, I, I did, I, I mean, I graduated top of my class and everything, but I didn't have six OACs. And at the time you couldn't enter university without at least six. And I had five. So I decided to choose and go to a college and get, and don't be in art because art was my, that, that was, that was my thing mm-hmm. at, around that time. So I went into packaging and graphic design. So I always say to, to employers, if, if all this fails, <laughs> I can go back to being a tradesperson and put together packages. Like I can extrude plastic. I can make molds. I can build boxes and I can build cookie boxes and I can even do the design for that. So I went to college and got my packaging graphic design diploma. And then what happened was that, um, they're the only way to really get into a graphic design studio and be respected because it actually is pretty difficult to do that is if you're an art director. Well, I had, I did have some, um, 
I did have some success with my packages. Like I had two packages that one was actually shown in Shoppers Drug Mart. So I had some in Canada and I also some in the States. But after that, I realized that there was really no money, to be honest, in packaging. And so I went into real estate. And and I went into fabric land. Like I went to do fabric stores. Like I would work part-time in fabric stores because my mother is also a seamstress. And Lisa, <laughs> and, and so, but then at one point, I I had I got pregnant, and I realized at that point that part time jobs weren't going to cut it. So after that, though, I really started to knuckle down in thinking, well, you can't live off of a part time job. You just can't. And now you have a baby to take care of. So right. just after I gave birth to my son. I went to back to Humber and I went into learning HTML web web design. Mm. And in that class, I met a lady who worked at the University of Toronto. And I bothered her and pestered her for months to say, how can I get a job at U of T? And she finally, at three months, she finally said, well, you have to go through a temp agency. So I immediately called the U of T temp agency and Within three days, I got a job um, with them. Oh, wow. It was te- it was temporarily, but I was able to at least get my foot in the door. And within a year of working pretty much full time for them, but not uh, it was like contract. I had gone through quite a few uh, job interviews, but one just it was like a day before Christmas. It was December twenty third, uh, sorry December twenty second, and I got a call and. She she said, Tina, I just want to let you know that you've been selected to, um, you got the job. And Wait, you so can... why, why do you think they selected you? Is there a particular reason? Like, is there a skill set that you brought to the table yeah. that you can think of? Yeah. What was that? The HTML. I knew I was the only one in the department that knew web design. Ah. And that's what they were looking for. They were looking for, they were starting to move. They were starting to move pieces of their courses online, but they didn't know how. Right. And because I had that background, plus I also, I used to teach uh, Microsoft Office. Right. I used to teach operating systems. So I had quite a, a broad background. So interestingly enough, when I was in uh, high school, I believe it was. No, sorry. It was in college. And... I was learning AutoCAD and um, initially I was doing horribly. I just couldn't seem to understand the key commands. I couldn't understand it because it was just complicated. And one day and two weeks goes by and I'm doing horribly and I was ready to cancel the course and I gave up. But then when I sat down, all of a sudden I was typing and I got it. I, it finally clicked. And so from that, I then went back to my dad, who is a he was a machinist, and he worked for Adams Brand at the time, uh, the chiclet gum place. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they were looking for is they were looking, they were asking people if anybody knew AutoCAD. And I said to Dad, I did, I can teach you AutoCAD if you want. So my dad said, okay, sure. So I ended up teaching him, and he ended up buying a tablet and everything. But one of the things that he purchased was a two computers. Mm. 
um, one computer was what I sort of latched onto, and the other computer was for his AutoCAD. And the one thing he wanted me to do was he noticed that it was really difficult to log in every single time and type in these key commands just to get to the one software that was sitting on the computer. So what I did was I started to look into DOS commands and I started writing batch files. And I created for him this page that when you opened up, when you turned on the computer, a, a black screen would appear with six links on it. Mm. And link one was to AutoCAD. Link two was to Word. Link three was to Excel. And I wrote executable file variables like just and it was funny because every week my dad would call me and say Tina I blew at that page can you come back and fix it <laughs> so I got very good at writing code for my dad's computer so I moved from DOS writing batch commands executable commands to HTML and to teaching it and then that's sort of how I grew into and then by that time I was in U of T and I was really getting into this online environment. So I sort of just moved right from art into education. But I still kept the kind of coding experience because it was interesting. At U of T in particular, they didn't have too many coders. Right. And what one of the things that they were also looking at was XML, which is another coding right. language. Right. And right. I learned that. And while the, the previous guy that was before me, he had done like two XML web documents. And when I left, I had created 28. Wow. And they were like, where did she go? Like, <laughs> Especially when you work for a university, they really look at the pieces of paper, like your degrees. Mm-hmm. And that's where they give you respect. So I decided at that point um, a year after my son was born, that I wanted to go back into, I wanted to go to university. And so... So, sorry, I'm, I'm curious now. Yep. Talk to me about your doctorate. How did, how did your journey turn into that? And why did you even want to go and get that? Okay. So a year after my son was born, I was diagnosed with MS. And I lost sight in my left eye for two years. Oh, wow. um, for, for one year, it got worse, and then it took another year to come back. And at that point, I started to learn an awful lot about my disease, and I was told that if I don't keep my brain busy, my brain will start to shrink and atrophy, and they're not sure how the cognitive ability of your brain will maintain after 20, 30 years. So I said... Wait, sorry. MS yep. does that to you? That is correct. It not only disables you, but it also, it, it's a, it's a brain disease and it's a, ner- it's a nerve and brain disease. So I'm, I'm weak on my, my right leg be- and it's not because of my muscles. And it's funny because, you know, if I ask a physical therapist, my current one is great, but my previous one w- wanted to get me have muscles. And right. I said, it's not, it's not muscles that I need to, to get better. It's my nerves that I need to build up. And that is very slow and it, it, it takes a very long time. And I'm not sure if my nerves are that badly damaged because I have trouble walking. So what happened was that I decided again, like I needed to get these pieces of paper, my degree, in order to get respect in the university. Because having a college diploma got, it was like 
you're a third grade citizen. Mm. And even though I had more experience and more of the stuff that they were looking for, because I didn't have these degrees, they didn't respect me. So I got my undergrad and it was one month before I finished my undergrad, I started my master's and I got accepted. So, and I got my master's. So I got my undergrad in political science and then I moved into my master's in education and it was fully online, which is great because at the time I still had a very young child right? and I couldn't just keep, I couldn't go to school. I mean, I didn't have money to get someone to babysit all the time. So right. I, I, you know, stayed at home and I had, you know, the dial up and I had a little <laughs> a small kitchen and I just did my homework in the kitchen because that was the only space I had. And wow. then, and then I got a job with the government at that time. And then I waited four years because I really wanted to get my doctorate in education, but I wanted, it had to be fully online. And there was no programs at the time that were offering it. So I had to wait, but, but I was adamant because I really wanted to keep my brain active. Okay. And, and it's funny because you're the only person that's ever asked me why I got my doctorate. Most people think that I got my doctorate to show off to the world or say I have a doctorate. Right. It, that, that wasn't it at all. It was to keep my brain from becoming mush. Wow. And that's, that's why I have it because I want to die with my tombstone saying, here in lies Dr. Gert. Because, <laughs> because I was told by my father, and, yeah. I, and this is one of the best things that he ever said, was the one thing that people cannot take away from you is your education. And so I took that to heart. And now, unfortunately, my dad passed away the same year that I um, defended and graduated. Oh but. Gosh. Before he did pass away, I would tell him, Dad, we've got the doctorate. I, I'm Dr. Gertz. And he would just smile. And then he would, you know, he had dementia. So and then he would go to his own space. And But I would just, I just wanted to make sure that before he passed away, he knew that we, we because he was the only one I could really talk to about my degrees. My, right. my sister and my mother weren't too interested. But he was really always there to listen. Wow. Can you, can you share some of the benefits of having these achievements and like, how has it benefited you? And then some of the pitfalls for having them. The only, to be honest, the only good academic degrees are if you work in an academic institution, everything else, if you work outside of academia, they hate it. They absolutely despise it because Nine times out of 10, the majority of people who you're working with don't have them, don't have it. Or uh, they may not even have, like they may have college, right? but they never even got to, and most people who take a college diploma or even university, they never work in the field that they got their degree in. Right. So I have to really be careful in when they ask me, oh, what are your credentials? Because they, I guess, want me to say, I've got a college diploma and maybe I should say that because the minute I open my mouth and say, yeah, I'm Dr. 
Turtle. <laughs> they they sort of they get quiet. Yeah. And then they then they all of a sudden start to try to one up me. You right, know. Right. They, right. And it's like, oh, whoa, 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 I'm not. And that's not why I'm. You asked me. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can look at my resume, <laughs> and it's like, and then and that pretty much goes downhill after that because the people that really appreciate my degrees will call me Doc. They'll call me Hey Doc or Hey Doctor. And and I know it's just a fun thing, but they they don't take it as anything, you know, bad. But the people that don't will 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 they'll they'll say something like, "Do I have to call you Doctor Gertz?" And I'm you, like, "No." No. Do you, you think? You, you, sorry. Do you think they're intimidated by you? Oh, oh my goodness! That is it. Envy? I, is it intimidation? Is it? It's, it's intimidation. It's it, it's definitely intimidation, and. They are very envious mm-hmm. and it's just, and the thing is, to be honest, I hate saying this too, but I have an IQ of 140. What is, what, okay. Okay. Before yeah. we, I'm curious, what does that actually mean? Okay. So pardon my ignorance though, but no, I'm, I'm no, curious. That's okay. 90s average, anything over 120 is genius. So, but what does that mean? Like when, when it just, well, so when, so it's interesting because. And I don't even tell people this because, again, they start to, first off, when they hear me speak, they say, oh, she's very intelligent. And then they say, well, of course, she's got a doctorate. Well, I don't see the relation. I don't see how those two even relate, <laughs> but okay. And it's like, all my life, pretty much, I've always been said, told, oh, you think you're so smart. And I'm like, I don't think I know I am. Mm-hmm. And I actually, at one point in grade seven, I actually went to Mensa, Canada. And I ordered up a uh, IQ test because I was really getting tired of people always asking me what my IQ was. Right. And I was like, so, okay, so I'm finally going to get it done. And they, I, I got it. I called them like two weeks after. And cause I got a, a, a piece of paper in the mail saying you're in the top 11th percentile. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. So I called them up and they said, well, 11th percentile means you're between like 135 to 140, give or take five. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. So I was like, but what, I said, but what does that mean? And it's like, well, you're a genius. And then they said, do you want to come in for the four-hour exam? I'm like, oh, my goodness, no. It took me like six hours to do this exam. I'm not going to do another four. <laughs> so I was like, I'm actually okay with knowing what I have. Right. But I just willing to stop people from asking all the time and, and just tell them, look, it really doesn't, you you may have a high IQ, but does it get you anywhere? No, it really doesn't. In, in fact, it doesn't get you. It, it actually is. You you need to keep it quiet again because just like all these degrees, right? It limits people you. don't want to know that you have them. They want you to be just like them, just like them. Yeah. And and because now, like I'm a force to be reckoned with. Now all of a sudden, it's like, well, if you're so smart or if you have all these degrees, why aren't you the director or why aren't you why are you just the grunt? Like, right. why are you working? Right. And it's like, I actually, because I like to get my hands dirty, um, I was a manager for a while, but I, it really doesn't suit me. And I prefer to be hands-on building online courses, which is what I do. And that's what makes me happy. And and and, and the truth is, I, I only got this thing to keep my brain functioning. And it's funny because at that point, they all of a sudden get this, they don't care. Right. They're, they're, they've, they've completely clocked out. Yeah. 
I mean, the minute I start talking after I told them my degrees, they completely clocked out and they're already thinking about how they can one up me or how they can make themselves look better. And it's like, I would hope that you want to look better because you know what? That would be great. Like I am the first person to help people get their degrees. I, I mean, Derek, if, if anything, from when we met, when we were working together, I actually helped um, at the time that I knew two people with their intent letters to get master to get into their masters. I really love doing that for people. It's, I do it mainly to keep my brain active yeah. and so far knock on wood. So good. So I, I want to continue on that path with your health, right? Cause I want to learn a little bit more sure. about this MS. And, and so tell me about how your health is today, but tell me about um, the impact, the condition has had on you the last two years with the pandemic and everything else. So, well, okay. So the first, I'd say 22 years of, of, when I was first diagnosed, which was in 19, well, it was, it took them a while to diagnose me because it always takes a little while. Mm-hmm. So maybe 2002, I found out. So wait, and so when, when you found out, how did that make you feel? Like, how did you feel in that moment? I'm trying to get a picture of what that would feel um, like. To be honest, I, I didn't really know what to think about it because at the time they, and they still, even now they still don't know. I mean, they, they had some inkling as to why it happens, but there really wasn't much in the way of medications and there wasn't really um, any kind of, like it's a idiopathic. They don't know why it happened, but they, there's they, no reason. There's no comfort in that though. Like how, how did you manage that? Because they don't know much and you don't know much about it. So, well, the thing was at the time, because I had such a young child, I decided to put that on the back burner because I was getting, I was blind in now one eye. And I had to really figure out how to keep my job without telling them that I was blind in one eye and, and make sure that my son was always taken care of and that I was still working. So I, I pretty much faked it. So and you clearly had a fear of potentially losing your job and your life changing in other areas. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I didn't know what else was going to happen. I mean, if, I mean, it's my eye. I mean, my goodness, I, it could have been both eyes, but it was thankfully it was just one eye. It's called optic neuritis. So wow. that's what happened first. And then throughout the years, every maybe six years, I would get double vision. Every every June for three weeks, I would get double vision. And that, that continued um, for about a few years. Sorry, I say every year, but it was like seven years after the optic neuritis, then I got the double vision and then that started to go for every year. But what happened differently was three years ago, I thought for sure that I was going to get, you know, my double vision again, but I got a cold. And the thing is, is that with MS, you don't get cold. Your immune system is always fighting itself. It's always in high gear. Mm. And, and what happened was that I never got a cold. I never got sick. But the minute I got a cold three years ago, I knew that something was changing. And sure enough, within two weeks, I woke up one morning and I tried to move my legs off of the bed and I fell down and I couldn't stand up. And I was like, what's going on? And my legs um, just got really tight 
And what I found out is that it's not, it's not plasticity. It's actually when your nerves get damaged, they become what's called high tone. They get tone and tone means tension. And so what happened is that it was funny because initially I had, I couldn't feel anything in my left side of my body. And like my left leg was the problem. And then it moved over to my right leg. And from then on, my left leg is perfectly fine. My whole left side, in fact, from the from my waist up, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And my left leg is fine. But my right leg is so tense because of the myelin sheath, which happens to be damaged, which happens with MS. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's the myelin sheath covers the uh, covers the nerves and it that allows electricity to go from your brain to your through your spine to mm-hmm. wherever it needs to go to move your arm your hand your leg but what happens is that because it's deteriorated after 22 years um and in particular there's a lesion on my spine that is generating this issue oh, wow. and so I mean, I, I do a lot of research on it. And right now there's actually two companies that are starting to work towards regrowing nerves and they're already in drug trials. Um, and so I'm just waiting till they come to human drug trials. Cause right now <laughs> they've just done the, the mice and the rats yeah. and stuff like that. So, but if that happens, uh, not only am I putting money into the stock, <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going to be the first one to give myself that jab and talk and let him go. Like, Unintended. And, oh, and the thing is, is that they're Canadian companies. Oh, which wow. Is even better. So it's anyway. So, yeah, it happened three years ago. And I tried my best to work through it. But because I, you can't regrow nerves. It's difficult. It's just, it, I mean, it grows so slowly. And if they're damaged, they're damaged. Right. So, I mean, I could, you know, try to manifest, you know, myelin sheath. But the, the fact that I'm such a realist, to me, that's just a bunch of hooey. <laughs> are, you, are you at peace with it? A who, sorry? Are you at peace with, with the conditions? No, I'm not. And I, can, I will never be until I get my walking back. And it's interesting because in the beginning when this hit, I actually had a few days where it went back to normal. Hmm. And then the next day it kicked back in again. Oh. So now my I have a physical therapist who comes once a week mm-hmm. and she helps me with exercises. Um, and I have I take a medication, but it's not a medication that the doctors want me to take. It's a, it's an off label one, Mm -hmm. but I found that it actually releases the tension a a bit better. And I don't, and all of the medications that we have, and I've done quite a bit of research on this is that they suppress the immune system. And I'm sorry, but I don't know why we are focusing on the immune system when we need to focus on regrowing nerves and getting that back. And so uh, now we have 15 disease-modifying drugs, and all they do is suppress your immune system, which means that you can get bacterial infections, right. viruses, you can die. Right. And not only that, but you take one medication, 
And what it does is that you need to take 10 other medications to counteract the side effects yeah. of that. And I'm sorry, I'm just not willing to put my body through that. And so it was interesting because I've been through six neurologists and I would have neurologists look at me and they would say, how are you so happy all the time? And I was like, because I'm still walking at the time, I was still walking and I'm doing okay. Yeah. And I don't have a cane. I'm doing great. And they're like, yes, but when you get to the point where it's not so good, you won't be so happy. I'm like, okay, well, when I get there, that's when I'll be miserable. Right, right. And I would ask things like, why, like I would ask neurologists, why are you, why are you in, why do you want to be an MS neurologist? And they would look at me and say, pretty much because of a paycheck. And I said, okay, well, I really want to talk to someone who's got some skin in the game. Right. And so I would move and not only I would, I would move to different neurologists. And the last one I had, she yelled at me and she told me when something bad happens, I will tell you, I told you so. And I, I immediately stopped talking to her and I was fine for two years. Yep. Yep. And I was fine for about two, three years after that. And then, like I said, three years ago, it hit me. And I, I mean, I look for a whole bunch of things. Like I wear patches that actually, it's funny, these patches help release uh, leg spasms. I don't have leg spasms when I wear these, these mm. patches. And it's, it's instant. Like, I can't believe it. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I take my own shower by myself. I live by myself. I, I don't ask anybody for help. I mean, I get my groceries sent to me, but I, right now, because of COVID and stuff like that, right. we have, but, that's, that's okay. But how much- so, but how much work goes into it for you? Um, you oh, know, when you're trying to complete daily activities or tasks and I have to think at least a day ahead to what I'm going to be doing the next day. Wow. And I have to say it over and over and over again. Like I'm just saying, okay, Tina, tomorrow you're going to take a shower tomorrow. You're going to take a shower. And, and then I wake up the next day and I say, Tina, today's the day you take a shower. And you have to remember, you have to lift your leg up over the, the tub. You have to why, just remember. Why Walk me through that. Why do you have to remind yourself or repeat it so often? Because my brain, I have to think about walking every day, 24-7, every second of every minute of every day. Because my 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 body doesn't know to do it naturally anymore so i have to constantly say it in my brain pick up the right foot pick up your left foot heel toe heel toe and you know swing the foot through stretch stop sit down for a bit okay now you're ready to get back up again so okay now if you don't do that you're gonna fall yeah that's correct wow so I have a walker now. I used to just have a cane, mm-hmm. but now I, I use a walker because my balance is off. So I, I lean to the left an awful lot. So I, I walk very slowly and I'm pretty much now housebound. I, I can't go anywhere. I can't leave the building because the building is on an incline and I can't go down or I can't go up. And it's interesting too, that when I, did go out whenever an uber would see my walker they would cancel and pass right by me and it's interesting because i would go out every night when i was younger for four hours a night and just walk and just walk and now that is a complete stop on that 
and I can't go anywhere. And it's been three years and it's, yes, I've been depressed. Yes. It's, it's sometimes painful. Interesting. I'm not in much pain. I don't get pain. It's just tightness. And when I wake up, yes, I have some pain, but then I pretty much walk it off. I mean, I have to be happy because people don't want to hear me crying all the time. And I do, I cry daily. And and, you know, it's funny because people will say, oh, Tina, you sound like your normal self. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm faking it. I have to. Because people don't like and can't handle. And when they say they're going to help me, they're not. Right. Their, their version of help is very different from the right. kind of help I'm looking for. And to be honest, again, I don't want that help because I need to remain self-sufficient. Right. Right. Wow. Man, that's that's tough. Like I, I'm just thinking about it. The things that we take for granted, right? Like just walking, oh. breathing, talking, yeah, uh, picking up yep. a, a pen or oh. you know, like all these things we take for granted, and we complain about everything under the sun. Yeah, I mean, I almost lost my voice, so I had to work on talking and uh, talking more and getting it deeper because it was getting very light. Um, I almost lost my ability to write, so I had to start writing with my right hand. Wow. Right now, my right arm's a little bit sore, so I'm learning to do everything with my left hand. But it's like, but this this drug that I take, I'm hoping, to me, it's almost like stopping the progression. Right. But it is where it is right now. Mm-hmm. And And what's great about these pharmaceutical companies is that the one in particular isn't just working on MS. They're also working... And that drug will also work with spinal cord injuries and Alzheimer's. Oh, wow. It's, it's big. I mean, and it could be within a month. Within a month, I will probably get my walking back. Wow. Because the nerve will regrow. And oh. that is crazy. That is I just, very it's progressive. Taken, it's 30 years in the making. Wow. But, and I just want to make sure that I'm not dead before it comes to fruition because I really would like to just get outside, especially during the summer yeah. and, you know, touch a tree right. and walk, walk through the forest and just not have to think so hard about walking. Goodness. I, I'm, 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 I'm speechless because I didn't realize how severe it is. Um, yeah, it is. It's pretty bad. Wow. But you know what? I, if I can think of anybody that's pushing through, it, it can only be you. Really, it, it can only be you because, I mean, you, you're gonna fall, you're gonna get up, and you're gonna try again. That's just the spirit that I, I, I you know, when I when I first met you, that's that's what I got was. There's no quit. There's no quitting her. She just she's a fighter, and and so I think if anybody's gonna push through it, it's definitely gonna be. It you. wasn't that way initially, though. I'll tell you, I thought of. I mean, I had some pretty debilitating thoughts yeah, and some, um, but just, I was, you know, and, and you will hear this a lot from many MS patients is that all of us, when we go to bed at night, that's the only time that we're normal. And I would say 90% of us don't necessarily want to wake up. Wow. We, we just want to sleep and be done with life because we're not sure what we're living for anymore. And what, 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 gets you up in the morning so you know it's um i again uh it's funny cryptocurrencies i 
I want to make enough money so that I can pass it along to my son and that I don't, it's interesting. My goal right now, besides learning how to rewalk, is to make enough money that I don't have to grovel for a job. Mm. And I want to make passive income. So every day I, I look at, you know, I, yes, I dabble in cryptocurrencies for sure. And if I some stocks and whatever, but the crypto is, it's actually pretty good. I mean, there's some issues right now because of this whole um, Joe Biden and, and Russia and stuff yeah. like that. But but the thing is, is that what wakes me up every day is the fact that I still have a ways to go to make my $300 a day, every day, seven days a week. Once that happens, then I know I made the 100000 a year and I can move out of here. I can get a condo. I can then modify it to adjust for me. Right. Um, I, I'm probably, people might just say, why don't you just get a wheelchair? And I really hate when people say that because I don't need one and I don't want one. Right. And it's just too easy to put people in a, what I call a rolling casket mm. because, and it's, it's not where I want to be. And right now, thankfully I've kept myself upright and I'm going to keep myself upright. It's funny when I order food, um, the people will that deliver my food will come and they will talk to my legs. It's it, it seems <laughs> no, wait, that my because it, what because it's not functioning is that, is that like I don't, I'm... yeah. So when I I use my walker right, so I open my door and I push with my walker and I get them to usually put the food on my walker because it's got a little um, bench kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And they will they'll look at my legs and all I guess all my intelligence seems to have. <laughs> to my legs because they will address me as such. And so I'm, your legs I'm get like, your doctrine. I'm like, hi, I'm up here. I'm here. And then when I open my mouth, Derek, wow, they're floored because, oh my goodness, I can piece together a few words. And oh, it's like they look at me and, and, and they smile and I'll be like, you know, oh, this Trudeau or, you know, or yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk, I'll, I'll talk to them, you know, I'll yeah. ask them how, how the weather is. I'll, yeah. I'll talk, we'll talk a bit about politics, just like something. Yeah. And they look at me and they go, you know, my friends would like you, or they'll be like, wow, like, wow, you really talk intelligently. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, you got to do at that point, right? You got to wiggle your leg <laughs> just to I confirm just, it. Like saying, <laughs> and you should see what my life is. <laughs> So, it's, you know, or, you know, I mean, it's funny because, like I said, I'll have people say, like a lot of people say, you know, she get a wheelchair and, and don't you, and it's funny because I once called, um, I think it's TAS or it's, it's some kind of a disability group. And yeah. I said to them, I, you know, I need some help cleaning my apartment and, and helping me with laundry. Like I do my own laundry, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes for the bigger stuff, like my bed sheets and stuff like that, I, I really need someone to help me with that. And I was told, I was told, sorry, but you're not disabled enough for us to help you with that. What? And we, and we don't really help with that. We help with you, with washing you. And are you in a wheelchair? Because we, we can definitely help you then. And I was like, what? Wow. And they were like, and if you want, we can give you um, the number of someone who can help clean your house. I'm like, no, no, I know who you're going to give me. 
And no, they charge way too much. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, I have someone who helps clean my apartment and she also does my laundry when she's here. But I mean, I still do laundry. If, if I like have laundry during the week and she's not here, I will go downstairs and I will do my laundry. I just, again, have to think, I have to think one day in advance and say, Tina, laundry's piling, you've got to do it. And then you make that conscious effort to go and do it. But it's, yeah, it's interesting that how people, I'm not disabled enough to get the help. And oh, and I also wanted to take a look at the, um, so I, I did get the disability tax credit, but there's this other thing that ODSP, and it, it was because I don't work anymore, um, my contract ended. The thing is, is that this thing can give you, um, they will help you with your medical expenses. Okay. But the problem is, the problem is that you have to literally be completely broke in order for them to help you. So I have a savings and I have a car that my son drives and all of that I would have to blow through and sell in order for me to even be looked at. Wow. And I keep, I say to myself, this is ridiculous. Why do I have to be practically one foot in the, in the, in my grave to get any help? And the way you think about disability is it's horrible. This you this is so disgusting. I'm sorry. Yep, it is. I didn't realize that there was such classism as well in disability. Like Yep. Yep. Wow. I'm not disabled enough. And it's interesting because when I used to um for the longest time I actually was still going to the supermarket to do my food shopping. And so, again, of course, you know, people sort of looking at you like you are deaf, dumb, and mute. Right. And I had to actually start wearing my T-shirt. I, had, I bought a T-shirt before I graduated my doctorate, and I got it to say Dr. Gertz. And I remember having to wear that T-shirt and walk. And when I went food shopping, wear it to, with me to, like, go into the supermarket because if I didn't wear that, they would look at me like literally and they would flail their arms around. They would yell at me because I think I couldn't hear them. I couldn't see them. Like it was just horrible. But when I wore that t-shirt, they were almost taken aback because they were like, wait a second. She's a, she's got a doctorate. She's Dr. Kurt. And, but she's walking horribly. And I'm thinking, what has that got to do with anything with with anything? But I asked, so, I mean, I'm just really glad to be honest. I'm actually really glad for COVID because it's allowed for me to get my groceries delivered to me. Right. And, and I also even get my blood work done at home. Oh, wow. I always found it interesting that, you know, our system, our society is wired one way and you'll hear one group or, you know, um, yeah, I would say one group, you know, complain about something or say, I'm not getting enough of this. How come this group gets all this and, and so forth, but there's a lot of gray space of individuals and groups that are ignored and mistreated. Like when you are telling the story about the fact that you have savings, so therefore you can't get services, but you're also a taxpaying citizen and you're making the effort to go and work or find work and, and, doing all these things and now they're going to penalize you yep. for having what you've earned. I, you know, Derek, to be honest, it's all lip service. 
whenever someone says like the the, the statement stay safe by the way is not what most people think it means mm-hmm. it actually means the complete opposite of stay safe stay safe means stay the hell away from me because i don't feel that you're safe and i don't want to get infected right that's what stay safe means and that's what everyone uses it like it's, it's candy like they throw it out like it's m&ms like it's just yeah. and it's the same thing with when people say oh you know i'm so sorry for your disability or we can we you know there are there are places that you can go and right. this is all just lip service right. and it's like and when i when i look at them now i just get quiet and i don't say anything i just say mm-hmm, okay yep Mm-hmm. Because if I even open my mouth to argue or or just say no, that's not exactly. They don't know how to answer. They just they get confused. They get right. defensive. They get just everything just goes really badly, and then they start getting angry with me because I'm now I'm an angry disabled woman, and it's like I'm not getting angry. I'm just telling you the truth. And yeah. when you talk to me like this, it's like. I'm not on the same kind of level of playing ground, yeah. playing field. And it's not, you know, it's, and then they look at me like, oh, you're probably getting disability checks and stuff like this. And I'm like, what? Wow. Like, and, and, and then I say to them, and how much do you think if I got disability checks, I would actually get? How much do you think I would get? Yeah. I can tell you. I can tell you. Probably maybe five, six hundred bucks. I'm sorry, but I don't know rent that's five, six hundred dollars. <laughs> And I, I mean, and that would probably last maybe three, four weeks of a food. So I, and then when I start talking like that, then they just, again, go crazy because they think that they can shut me up or shut me down. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I stop talking and I just keep everything very light. I smile and wave. And then I go back into my apartment and I just thank God that I've gotten my groceries and Now I have to think about putting them away and where they go and what I'm going to eat and how I'm going to cook it and what time I'm going to bed. So it's, yeah. I mean, like I tell you, once like I close the door, they're gone. They don't think anymore about, and I don't necessarily want them to, because again, it gets just messy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (sighs) That's a lot. That's a lot. But thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for for your courage to even share that with me and, and the listeners. Definitely sure. appreciate that. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And I have a segment. Ooh, look at that. My my little uh, fairy dust there. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> it's called Thinking I Out Loud. Can you, can you just sprinkle some on me? <laughs> So this is a thinking out loud segment. I'm going to ask you the most random question, like random, right? And you got to pick. There's an option in in the question. You got to pick one of the two options that are available to you. And don't overthink it. Ready? Yeah. Would you rather be yourself as you are in this present life or a royalty of a large country 2,000 years ago? Do you still need something, something, something? Um, you know what? I'd rather be. Actually, you know what? I'll take the two thousand years ago. Walk me through it. Why? 
Well, you know, well, Ash, you know, I'd rather be here now because we didn't have any kind of. (laughs) (laughs) People were not people's people's age. uh, People died. They didn't live past 45. Right. So I would like I'm I'm not 45. I'm older than that. So um, I. But you're royalty. You can you can, you know. Well, actually, no, because they didn't have um, uh, not vaccines, but well, vaccines and med- medication. <laughs> so, two thousand years ago, we're literally dying probably earlier than forty-five. We're probably dying <laughs> like thirty, thirty-nine. So, yeah, no, I'll I'll take I'll take now because we're a little bit more advanced. I mean, I don't much like the way our world has shifted, but I'll right. take I'll take now. I'll take now. I'll- <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna lock. I'm gonna lock in that answer. Oh. <laughs> well, that's, I'm, I'm glad. It's it's interesting because I was thinking about that question, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, we're 2,000 years ago. I have no idea what was happening there, um, yeah. and I don't know if I could actually survive. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, royalty, oh, but still, being, being a female, you've got to be kidding. Right. Um, it, yeah. No. It, yeah. I've actually gone through, uh, like, one of my in my graduate one of my graduate courses. I had to actually take myself back fifty years, forty years, thirty years, and go through the different um, political stages. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because when I go farther back, I have to be a wife and a mother only. Then. I could, you know, I, I maybe could get an education up until high school. That's it. Right. And then, and then if I, I could never be working at a university, never. Um, I would always be a waitress, someone who's like just taking care of other people. Yeah. It, it just got to the point. Oh, and if I was a single mother, which I am, oh my God, I would be thrown into an institution and my child would be taken away from me. Wow. So, Thanks, but no thanks. I'll take today. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So I want to talk a little bit about your son. Because um, he's come through the conversation quite a bit. And yeah. how would you describe him? And what character traits of yours does he have? Oh, he's a mini-me. He's definitely a mini-me. He is outgoing and personable. He's um, He's 23. He just got a new job. He he's very vocal like me, mm-hmm. extremely vocal like me. Nice. And he doesn't put up with any shiza yeah, yeah. at all. Nice. The, the difference between him and I is that he's very quick in doing things, mm-hmm. and I'm very slow because I need to read and reread and think about things and think. He doesn't think; he just does. And I'm, but it's interesting because. When he was doing his gas fitting license, mm-hmm. he actually stopped. Like, he, he, you get three tries, and it took him three tries. But the third try, wow, he was even working harder than I studied. Like, mm-hmm. he was really just, and he took every single day for one full year to, to get every, all the information he needed to pass that test because it's very hard. Wow. And so, if he puts his nose to the grindstone, he becomes very much all me. Mm. But for the most part, he's fun. He's outgoing. He will do things like he'll just, you know, if he wants to go sleigh riding in the middle of the night, he'll do it. If he, I mean, he lives in North Bay now. He, um, 
and he's got a beautiful cat and a, and a great girlfriend and and he's just he's having the time of his life and nice. it's very similar to when I was younger I would party Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday I was like always out my my parents never knew well they always knew I was going out they'd always say to me Tina what do you mean you're not you haven't left yet like mm. because I would always go out right and so he does the same thing he can't at home for too long because he gets antsy. Right. And but if he is at home, then he will be on the computer like me. Uh, so and he he thinks he he loves to read just as much as I do. So he's he, he reads a lot of books and we can have a really good conversation about pretty much anything. He's he's a brilliant boy. He's a brilliant young man. Awesome. What's what's your relationship like with um his father? Is there one? We don't much have a relationship anymore. Okay. Um, that sort of stopped after maybe about five, six years ago. Okay. Does he have a relationship with his father or no? Um, not, not really. Not really. I mean, I tried. I tried to stay, live with him when I was pregnant, and he just got to the point where he was getting a bit abusive. Uh, and I said, oh, no. And so when my son was born, I remember very clearly, he was born on December 15th. My birthday is January 19th. And but between December 15th and January 19th, when he came home from work on my birthday, I handed him a paper saying, I'm leaving and I'm taking my son with me. And... I will give you the address and we will see you every weekend. I will make sure that you still see your son because I need you to make sure that you know that you have him. Wow. And he needs to make sure that he knows he has a dad. But we are not together. And that was that. And I left on my birthday. And I moved. I actually moved in with his mother because I still wanted to keep the other part of his family okay. intact. Yeah. I got to do that. I gotta do that. It doesn't happen often, but I have to do that because I have to applaud you for doing what you said you're going to do. Right? Most most people in, in situations that are toxic yeah. don't have the courage and they don't have I guess, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep courage because I think that's what it is. And the self value or or awareness to be able to say, you know what, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be okay without this person. And oftentimes I find people go back because they feel that's all they know. And that's not true. Yeah, no, I never did. You know? It was funny. It's interesting because he actually had come back to me a few years after that. And he said to me, I want to start another, I want to start a family. I want to have more kids. I said, well, not with me, yeah. but uh, good, good, good on you. <laughs> and uh, I mean, and, and one of the, like, well, one, I just, wasn't any more in love with him but secondly um and this is just a bit more personal but um when i was pregnant i ended up in the hospital twice oh wow and um because i was losing blood and i had to make the choice of my life for my son twice wow twice and i always said my my child I love it. I love it. Um, we're we're coming closer to the end, and um, okay, no <laughs> What's that? That's okay. <laughs> Could you share 
an important life lesson that you've learned on your journey? Well, life is short. Please, please do. Don't, don't think about, well, woulda, coulda, shoulda, and well, I can't do that right now. Don't do it, do it. Mm-hmm. And um, my mantra now is if anyone asks me, so what do you want to be when I grow up? I still say, and I said this for a while because I just love this. I want to be a kid. Ah, I love it. <laughs> so, no, you have, I really, the biggest life lesson is take every day as it is your last. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to do the things that are hard or scary because you only have one life. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what happens. Like I said, I lost my ability to walk in one day. So just do the things that you want to do. Quit the job if you don't like it. Find another one. You know, tell that person that's making you miserable that they're making you miserable and leave. Go back to school. Get that degree. Don't wait because time waits for no one. And if you do nothing now, 10 years from now, you'll still have done nothing. What are, what are your expectations, if you have any, um, of yourself in all your relationships, whether it's friends, family, um, you know, personal, what expectations do you have for yourself and how do you hold yourself accountable? It's, it's funny that you, you asked that because, um, I actually looked that up to be honest. And, um, so relationships, I make sure I'm a realist. So I, I, the one, the hardest thing for me is to not have expectations. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really difficult because people expect a lot from me and I provide it to them. And, but I can't necessarily return the favor. How I hold myself accountable is I make sure to always be learning. I give myself the time to be sad, but also to, you know, have, self-confidence I, I I don't I don't be arrogant about it mm-hmm. but I just you know make sure to complete my goals and do what I say that I'm going to do I evaluate my work like if I do a job then I make sure to that it's the best I can do the only person you can really be accountable to is yourself that to me is holding myself accountable so for the day I, I do good. So this is, this is the part where I get a little bit selfish. Yeah. Um, over the years I've become an avid reader and I'm, I'm really enjoying books more than I've ever enjoyed books. I hated books when I was a kid. Okay. Um, and I was just because confidence wasn't there in reading. Right. So, but what is the most recent or a favorite book that you've read that really had an impact on you? And what was it about? Well, there's two books, actually. One is called How People Learn. Okay. And the other one is it's about sort of what I do. It is called Dick and Carrie's, uh, like, instructional design. Okay. The, the How People Learn was one of the better ones because it's a psychology thing. And you would be surprised at how people are motivated and people do things and you'd be like, but boy, they just don't do that at all. But they do. 
and why they do it. Because that's a big one for me. So How People Learn was one of the best books I've read. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that one. I think I'll grab that one and take a look at it. Um, how can our listeners reach you uh, to learn more about not just you or the services that you provide and all the other wonderful things that you have to offer? How can they reach you? Are you on social media? No, I'm not. So what's the best way? Is it LinkedIn? Yes. Yes. I'm definitely on LinkedIn. Okay. That if someone wants to ask me questions, but I'm a bit cautious with just my disability right now because it affects me very deeply. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, and maybe this sounds horrible, but the reason I'm not with the MS Society is because... I don't want to sit, to be honest, with a bunch of people that are going to complain about woe with me. Right. Because that will project onto my way of being. Yeah. And I don't want that. I instead want to be around people who are happy, um, realistic, and like really realistic with expectations. And so, I mean, if you want to talk to me about education or if you want to talk to me about um, online learning, absolutely. Definitely get in touch with me, but I keep my disability separate. Yeah. And that is something that we definitely have to respect. So folks, if you're going to reach out to Tina, I need to make sure, I need you to make sure that you're reaching out to inquire about her services, how she can contribute to your business, um, how she can help you develop something that you're working on. Obviously there's a service and there's a fee. So don't approach her thinking that you're going to be doing this. You know, she's going to be giving you all her time and pro bono uh, and things like that. It's not working like that. She is a professional. uh, So please approach her on there with respect and that you are going to be you know, gaining some information from her, I'm sure she'll, you know, have a conversation with you initially. But if you are going to need services, be prepared to actually, um, you know, follow through with that transaction as far as that it's going to be a business transaction. And so she is someone who's very professional. And so I do recommend if you're looking for any of those services that we discussed, and I'll also mention it in the description. Um, So reach out to her, right? Reach out to her. Tina, I want to thank you. No problem. My apologies. I have to say doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I'll tell you something. It's so funny. If people call me that, I don't know who they're talking to. (laughs) I'm not used to getting called like that. It's just Tina. And it's like, and then then they'll say it again. They'll be like, Dr. Kurtz. And I'll be like, nothing. And they'll be like, Dr. Kurtz. And I'll be quiet. And they'll be like, Tina. I'm like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes. What? Sorry, what? And I'll be like, do you not know your name? I'm like, yes. But I, I'm not called that. So. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Genie, yeah. Dr. Gerd, your dog, yeah. Oh, by the way, also, um, I am doing some new um, business with cryptocurrency. I'm setting people up with um, getting money on a daily basis because I actually have been doing that. So if that's something also that your you're, people that are listening to this uh, podcast are interested in, Yes. So what I'm what I'm thinking is, um, yes, they should they should definitely reach out to you for that. I want to set up a separate episode where we speak okay. strictly about that, and you can walk us okay. through the process. It won't be obviously sure. as lengthy as this, but it'd be informative, and I think that'll benefit 
benefit um, the cause. And yeah, else. sure. Awesome. So yep. we'll, we'll set, definitely set that up and, and share that. You guys heard that, right? She's definitely going to school you in some crypto <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Get your money up, right? So now I appreciate that because I want to know about it, right? So yeah, that's definitely something that, that we're going to talk about as well. But I want to thank you for your time. Um, no and your problem. energy, the laughter, and I, oh, I enjoyed it. I learned so much. I didn't realize uh, how much you were, you know, uh, enduring and, and and pushing through. And so for that, I definitely want to tip my hat to you. And I have a newfound, newfound respect and and love for you, Aww. just from what I've I've learned Thanks, um, about you tonight. So thank you for that. Uh, listeners, oh no, it's a pleasure. And to all the listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in every week. And as you know, make sure you log on, download, subscribe, share with other like minded individuals. Until next time, love, peace, and happiness. Mm-hmm.